Hello and welcome to Weep Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hey, Bobby. I am really excited about this one because this anime hooked me from the beginning and it's probably in my top five right now. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Dr. Stone. And like always, spoilers ahead. The anime Dr. Stone was created by Richiro Inagaki, which is based off of his manga, which was released July 5th of 2019. The manga has been in the top ranking of Shonen Jump and is extremely popular in Japan. It has been a success and a second season is confirmed. And it looks like it will be released sometime in July of this year. We are not 100% sure when, just yet. Crunchyroll has also stated that this anime is in the top 25 of best anime of 2010. So I think that is very popular because within 10 years of anime, it came out last year and it's already in the top 25. I say, it's already 2020 now, mm-hmm. so it can't really be in the top 25 of the 2010s anymore. <laughs> so Doctor in Dr. Stone, the people on Earth are living their normal lives when an unknown event causes the petrification of every living person on Earth. And after 3,700 years, the first man that breaks free of this petrification is Senku Ishigami. He's a genius high schooler, and his goal is to rebuild society from scratch and cure the world from its stone affliction. So, I think when people first, what people first tend to notice about this anime is that it isn't your typical anime with magic, inner power, chi, or anything of the sort. This focuses on people that are basically normal, Except for the few anime tropes where person's unnaturally fast or strong. And this is to be expected. But none of this is actually very off-putting in the show. It feels natural. So these people who are fast or can jump really high or are really strong just kind of fits. It flows. It helps with the plot too. But overall, it's just normal people. So we follow a normal guy who is really weak but he makes up for his weakness with intelligence. And this guy, as you already stated, is Senku Ishigami. He's this high school genius, and he's a classic story of brains over brawn. The creator, Inagaki, got this inspiration from normal anime. He said that he noticed that many of the shonen protagonists were very flashy with these crazy superpowers or abilities, And he thought it just might be cool to have more of a normal protagonist for once. And he really... And I believe this was really appreciated because of how popular this anime was. And he also said he didn't need to make stuff up when there's already plenty of really cool people out there that are special in their own ways. And they don't really get much limelight, such as scientists and researchers. So... He wanted to focus this anime strictly on normal life and how people would survive without superpowers. Though, like anime, the main character does have one flashy point, (laughs) and that is his hair. Just the classic anime hair. You, you You know the main character right when you see him. 
It's just like that one picture. Spot the main character in this classroom where everyone looks so normal, and then you get the one guy that has the crazy hairstyle, <laughs> and you're like, hmm, I wonder who the main character is in this one. I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I thought the main character was not Senku, but his friend, what was it? Uh, Taiju. Was, Taiju. His friend Taiju, because when you first start this anime, if I'm not mistaken, you start out with Taiju, <laughs> and he's about to finally confess his feelings, and then that's when you see this whole green light come and the whole petrification thing. And even after that, you see, like, the world, it does, like, a quick time lapse of the world changing, nature overgrowing everything while everyone's in this petrification state, and you see Taiju break free. Well, once he finally breaks free, that's when he meets Senku, which he learns that he's been broken free, alive, whatever you want to consider it, for about six months before that. Another reason why I believe this show is popular as well is because of the normality in it and also the fact that it's not a straight protagonist versus antagonist. So in a lot of stories, you get, oh, here's a good guy, here's a bad guy, they fight, they clash, usually good bad guy wins first clash and then the good guy comes back, overpowers them through the power of friendship and they kill the bad guy or whatever. That's how typical anime works. Which, don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of animes that do this and are still good regardless. But one thing about this is you meet the antagonist in the first episode, episode right? Episode three. That's Oh, it takes three episodes for him to mm-hmm. come out? Yeah, because they, the first episode is just them living off the land and experimenting on their miracle fluid. Or the miracle cure. And once they... The whole episode is just them creating the cure. And then the second episode is them acquiring more miracle fluid to make more cure. And on their way back from the cave, they create more fluid. And they're heading home. And a lion ambushes them because it was a descendant from possibly a lion that got out of the zoo. And they get cornered at a tree where Tsukasa is being imprisoned by his stone affliction and they have no choice the first person they wanted to revive was taiju's love that he wanted to confess his love to but they didn't have that option at this point because without reviving tsukasa they would have died so they pour it on him and then that's basically when the episode ends and then the episode three goes right into tsukasa and who he is so tsukasa ends up becoming the main quote-unquote, the main antagonist of this show. So after he frees Tsukasa, they learn more. Once they have this cure, that's when Senku goes on about restoring Earth basically back to what it was and freeing everyone of this petrification. But Tsukasa has a different mindset. He doesn't think everyone deserves the right to be unpetrified, basically. So he thinks... Only certain people who would benefit society or the good deeds, anyone of that sort, should be, I guess, freed, cured. And Senku doesn't want that. He wants to free everyone. He's, his goal is to basically restore Earth to the way it was. 
So that's who your main antagonist becomes. But after that episode of their original, like, fight, and we'll get a little more into that, but after that initial fight, you really don't see him that much. He sends a couple, like, of his goons after him later on, we've noticed. But one thing I like about it is it's mostly the protagonist versus nature. It's something different that a lot of animes don't do. Like I said earlier, it's mostly good guy, bad guy, fight. Now, this is good guy versus nature. And how he wants to bring science up from the Stone Age all the way back up to where it was previously. And his main goal is just to advance society. What what does he always say? Like, 2,000 years or... Two, two million years of human history in a sprint or something along those lines yeah that's like his catchphrase and that's why i think it's pretty fun because it's it's takes two different approaches it's how you described it earlier there's no magical elements there's no chi there's no nothing flashy it's just normal he's he's a high school genius but it's basically like a normal scientist and then it's protagonist versus nature at least for the first season like we said season two is confirmed and we'll get into it a little more but at the end you basically see that it's going to be like a final clash right yeah exactly and i just love as you stated this man versus nature aspect of the show and we see that multiple times especially in one of the episodes where he has to get sulfuric acid stuff like that he has these struggles that come about that have nothing to do with a pro, uh, an ag that have nothing to do with an antagonist it all has to do with his environment and overcoming these obstacles and we even see that when he i'm getting ahead of myself a little but when he goes into this village that he finds later there's still this clash of human versus nature in a sense it's still human versus human because of these people don't believe in his sorcery the science but in reality it's still kind of human versus nature because they don't see it as natural and he's kind of trying to show them the true nature of science through experiences and all this and he's trying to get them to side with him and my favorite example is when he uses science to beef up their meals that that they eat regularly because this is a village that has been very primitive for the entire almost 4,000 years so they've been eating like seaweed and raw meat or not raw meat but cooked meat with no seasonings so he uses a little bit of science to amp up the meal where he takes foxtail millet which is a grass and he refines it down to a flour and makes noodles and then he uses the local plants and vegetables to make ramen so he makes these soup this ramen and he gives it to these villagers and they're normally used to just nature and just eating off the land these boring meals and it's this is a really fun episode because he tastes the ramen he's like this looks pretty good and he tastes it and he says this is the worst ramen he has ever had in his life and then the villagers take it and this is the best food they've ever had and i just thought that was a really fun perspective on the food we eat today versus the food they ate back then and 
the way nature took its course and how we use that to our advantage. One thing I also like a fact about that example is how it really is history repeating itself back in the, what is it, like 1700s when we were first discovering more about like science and everything. And as you kind of stated a little earlier, a lot of people who didn't know anything about science thought it was magic, thought it was heresy <laughs> and all this mumbo jumbo they thought it couldn't like this is not nature this isn't what it's supposed to be like and because they regress so much although yes they are living but because they're in this primitive state when he comes in and he's trying to show them how he can improve their life they're everyone's skeptical because they think oh this is magic except one person who i'm drawing a blank on his name chrome chrome Thank you. Chrome, he was interested in all these different kinds of rocks, which were different minerals and stuff that will help Senku later on crafting a whole bunch of different items. And we'll find out that the reason, well, not really, Chrome kind of just liked the rocks. He found an interest in it. But we find out later on that there's, at this village, there's a princess. And basically, this princess is told a hundred, hundred tales. Is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Hundred tales, right? Yep. And basically, these hundred tales are passed down each generation, and only the princess knows of it. But within these hundred tales are different stories and different accounts of what happened back from our present day. Basically, a way to share knowledge, and we find out that one the last tale of the hundred tales is actually about senku himself mm -hmm. yeah and these tales help develop the the lifestyle they have today and it also was able to help them get by because they had certain information from these tales that senku used to his advantage in one scenario he was talking about the north star and Kohaku, one of the young villagers there, she mentioned it. She's like, that star doesn't really look like it's true north. It looks a little off. He's like, oh. He's like, well. And then he thought about how the earth has shifted in the past 3,700 years. And he's like, wow, yeah, you're right. It would have. I'm, I'm wrong about that. And then he has to think about it. He's like, how would you even know what true north is in this primitive state? Because with this long of time and no technology... It'd be very difficult for someone to just learn about True North without a magnet because through experience, you would know True North by the North Star. So you wouldn't know the actual location of True North without a magnet. And then that leads him to discover they did have a magnet and this led to more advancements in their technology. So these stories played a critical role in Senku's development and his technological advancement in this town. And it's just kind of neat that they, they add these little things that are able to progress the plot. And it's just so simple. When you first meet Senku, you already know he's he's basically the mad scientist. I think a lot of people, well, maybe not a lot of people, but there's a lot of anime where there's a high school person and when they're a genius, quote unquote, they're always like this mad scientist. 
one thing you've noticed with him is when he first comes back, he learns to create gasoline from refining plastics, which I don't think a lot of people, like the common person, would have any idea how to do that. <laughs> I certainly have no idea. I don't either. <laughs> and later on, we find out that, like, Taiju, he needs Taiju as much as Taiju needs Senku. How you have the whole Senku's brains over brawn, Taiju's definitely the brawn over the brains. It's He even states that even in his previous world, well, I say previous world, previous like time back before this petrification, there were all sorts of people. There were researchers, there were doctors, there were laborers. Like everyone is needed to function as society as a whole. You can't just have the smart people. You can't just have the, or the bronze people. You need both of them. And I think that's honestly a nice little touch they added to that as well. Yeah, I completely agree because, and yeah, like you said, he straight said, I can't really get anywhere without you being here because he is, he can't really apply the things he needs to do without someone else. So there's this nice balance of who's needed in the world and basically everyone has their roles and everyone's needed. After, after the first pilot episode, I was hooked and anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge fan of science and I love any movie or show that can portray it accurately so as I was watching this show I'm I was just shocked with how much they were getting right and there's a few things that they ignored in certain places that were minor in order to progress the plot but they were such small nuances that it didn't really affect too much when they were doing large-scale science that was important they made sure they got the science down to a pat like some of the things they didn't really focus on like i mentioned earlier was how strong sukasa is he's extremely fast extremely strong it's not really scientifically possible to be that fast or strong but i understand it. it's understandable because it's a small modification to help the conflict between senku and sukasa but as you said it's the show's not really focused on that, so it's easily put on the back burner. You don't really have to worry about it too much. And we don't really understand the full reasoning behind the stone affliction and petrification, but as far as I'm aware, science can't petrify humans and keep them alive. So this was kind of one of those things that needed to happen in order to get us to where we are in the plot today. I think these are just small details that were needed in the show and this show is so great that I don't think it really matters how we got to where we are despite it not being possibly scientifically accurate and a little bit off the sciencey part and more of the story part the whole issue with Senku and Tsukasa is when they found the cure for the petrification it's using nitric acid mixed with ethanol and they get the believe it's the nitric acid from is it bat excrement yeah correct yeah bat excrement excrement from a cave that they were nearby senku and taiji taiju they were both near this cave and that's how senku figures out after the different times of trying to figure out the right consistency of it so once 
they have their little dispute, Tsukasa literally kills Senku. So we find out that for some reason this petrification, the whole reason why it kept people alive, at least according to the anime, is it has some kind of property that when you depetrify them or remove part of that stone, it repairs and fixes any part of that body that was petrified. So we find out that Tsukasa ends up holding uh, Taiju's love interest, but at, is it, I guess you could say knife point? I think it was more <laughs> of a spear, Yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But basically he holds the blade to her throat and says, tell me the recipe for the petrification fluid or she dies. And Senku basically tells him, and he decides to kill Senku because he doesn't want him to create any sort of... He doesn't want him to advance civilization. Tsukasa wants it to basically stay the Stone Age and have survival of the fittest, almost. And he decides who should bring, and he decides to guard this cave where he can get this nitric acid. And that's the whole reason why he's the main antagonist is because he creates his base at this cave and is trying to make it so Senku can't recreate the petrifying fluid to release everyone. But when I said he literally kills him, he literally killed him as in he dislocated his neck, killed him. But the thing was, Senku had a small piece of petrification stone still left on his neck. So when Taiji, Taiju, I don't know why I keep saying Taiji, Taiju <laughs> brings Senku's body back, he notices it and he breaks off that petrification thing. And because it repairs the body, it repairs his broken neck. And then that way now Senku can go and operate and bring up civilization in the shadows without Tsukasa knowing because he thinks he's dead. Yeah, I think that summed up the foundation for the plot and the fact that now Senku has this rivalry with Tsukasa and him at the cave. He needs to somehow make his way to this miracle fuel fluid and flush Tsukasa out so he can start reviving the world and advancing technology. This set up the whole plot and the premise. So now Senku needs to build his nation, but... He only has Taiju, Taiju's love interest, which I can't remember her name. And, yeah, so it's just them three. And at this point, Senku decides to send Taiju and his girlfriend to Tsukasa's encampment to be a spy. Because at this point, Tsukasa has no reason to believe Senku's still alive. And... Tsukasa would let them into his kingdom because he's not cruel. He won't just kill people to kill people besides Senku because he Senku didn't want to stop him. So they were going to be a spy for Senku. And Senku was going to go and investigate the smoke that he saw, which, let me backtrack a little bit. Before Senku was killed, they were in the process of creating gunpowder. And in the process, they ignited the gunpowder and made a large explosion. And in response, out in the woods somewhere, there was a smoke signal that appeared after the explosion. And they believed that this was in response to theirs 
their their ignition of the gunpowder. So they ignite another batch of gunpowder to see if they get another response instead of um, instead of it adding up to mere coincidence. So after they get a second signal, they believe there's more survivors out there. So Senku wants to go and investigate them. So he leaves Taiju and goes, and he finds a village that has a bunch of primitive people, which we already mentioned earlier in the podcast. And this is when he meets Chrome, this other scientist who believes he's a sorcerer, and this whole village. And this kind of brings up the foundation of all the science that goes into the show. So we're taking a step away from the protagonist-antagonist conflict and going straight into a show about science and teaching the process of how where we came from as a civilization as an early civilization to a modern world civilization so from this civilization that we're trying to accomplish senku first starts with his ramen shop and then from there he wants to create iron and he wants to create a generator and the only one of the first few scientific critiques i had of this show was about his generator and it's so small that it's not even that significant and i think it was more of a plot point but he created his generator with two copper discs and a magnet and this magnet he created by bringing lightning down to a a piece of metal which he then created an electromagnet with and he said these discs need to be rotated in perfect sync and i think this was actually just a plot point to get kinro and ginro the two guards of the village into the plot more because from there they get more involved in Senku's experiments and in reality this generator didn't need to be turned in perfect sync nor did it need two copper discs but I think it was just a plot point but other than that like this whole show was focused on great scientific accuracy and I I could just watch this show and Senku creating things all day I don't want to get I don't want to be too focused on just the science. I'm just geeking out over it a little bit. And one thing I did enjoy about it as well as it wasn't like the anime didn't decide to just skip right ahead into making glass and all this stuff that you need to create anything from the modern era. They had to start with simple machines. They had to start with only stuff Stone Age could do. Like, for instance, when we first get introduced to the village from the smoke signals, when we meet Kohaku, she's fallen under a tree, and Senku creates just, like, a simple pulley system to help lift the tree up. And, because obviously, Senku is not very strong at all. We've It's been pointed out numerous times when he's so out of <laughs> breath throughout this show. It's actually kind of funny. And... He makes this just simple pulley machine and is able to lift this tree up. And that's kind of how Kohaku gets his trust in this quote-unquote science that she's never even heard of. But she's seen it firsthand how such a weak person was able to lift this giant tree off her. And that's how they first get introduced to the village. And the village is actually called Ishigami Village, named after their ancestors. And as he's going on... we talked about a few inventions the ramen shop and how he's basically trying to get the trust of these villagers because like i mentioned earlier everyone thinks science as magic heresy something 
that shouldn't be done. So he's almost exiled from this village. He's basically not allowed entrance to the village. And he's doing all this stuff to help get him in. And that's where he meets Chrome, who helps him. I mentioned a little earlier with the different kinds of rocks. But he also ends up bringing over a guy named Kasaki. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Sorry if I'm butchering it. It's like this old man, but he's a he's a brilliant craftsman, and he needs him to help create a lot of like this kiln and a lot of this base of operations that you see in order to create all this new technology that he's going to need. So we find out that oh, what what was his first thing? Because before he got to smartphones, we find out what was his first thing that he had to build. Or was it so, when he got to the village, was it just the smartphones? He When he got to the village, he started with making... So he made the generator, and then from the generator, he used glass so he could make a light bulb. Oh, and he made, he made glasses as well. So those, I think, were the first two things. He made glass, so then he could make glasses, and then he also made a light bulb casing. He was trying to make the world close to the modern era as in bringing in electricity from the generator you saw he kind of gave a cool little demonstration where he holds the two like prongs and it looks like he's controlling electricity i thought that was a a cool scene Mm -hmm. he introduced this village into almost starting to get introduced to the modern era with the whole electricity now with that he doesn't have to have as many people powering up this like oven that he had to use to melt the iron or tungsten. I think it was the, it iron. Was the iron. Oh, well, yeah, because eventually he used... I don't remember how he melted down the tungsten because the furnace would never get hot enough to melt tungsten, he said. So he made some sort of powdery paste. The tungsten was used for a light bulb. I thought they made the generator, though, like just with the electricity... So they could use that to help power up the oven or whatever, because they needed that and the manpower to melt the tungsten to get to the light bulb. And then that's how they made the, like, because that made batteries. I believe they used, in order to heat the oven hotter, they used the water wheel. Oh, that's right. Because the generator wouldn't produce enough electricity for the oven. So that was their first issue they ran into was... Every time he tried to make the light bulb because he needed to make batteries, every time he made the light bulb, the, any kind of filament wasn't working, so he needed the tungsten to create the light bulb, which would end up becoming the like little homemade battery he made. One thing this anime does that kind of helps you understand the whole process of going, because if you think, I'm not a huge science major, but I do enjoy the science aspects, even though I couldn't follow along exactly like what needed to be done and all these elemental names and everything, I've heard of tungsten and all this stuff before and like just sort of name-wise, but I had no idea what they're used for or what to do to make a smartphone from the Stone Age. But one thing this anime does is they show kind of like this Venn diagram and they show start point and an end point, and then all these arrows and different routes that you need to do. So, and like for instance, in order to make a battery, 
they first needed to make glass. In order to make glass, they needed to make this kiln. So then you would see that, oh, in order to get to this step, you'd have to go make a kiln, make glass. The glass turns into whatever this little like shell was for the battery. And every time they completed something, it would light up. And it's hard to explain without actually visualizing it, but when, if you go and watch the anime, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It was just nice because it kind of gave you a sense of where they were and what they had to do. And it made it so more realistic because it didn't just skip steps in order to get somewhere. They literally took what the Stone Age had and they find out a way to process it and then create a new object. And going through all these different processes, you see, and if you got lost, you had that Venn diagram to show you. And I just really enjoyed it because you knew how close they were because everything would light up. And then finally, when you saw all the stuff leading to the final thing, you're like, yes! Like, you you felt excitement. Like, you were there building it, even though you weren't. You're just watching them. But as you see them getting closer and closer and closer to the end goal, at least for me, I always got excited. It's like, oh, they're almost there. They're almost there. They're almost there. Like, what's going to happen? How is something bad going to happen? Is something going to mess up? Or is their experiment going to fail? But it was just nice to watch. And it was good that they didn't always succeed on their first try. I like that they had to do the trial and error. I would agree. I've really liked how they they kind of dumbed it down for us in the audience. Because he would use his technical terms... But then there was like Kohaku near him who knew nothing of science. So then he would kind of explain certain things to her, to her in a way that she could understand. And that was really appreciated as a viewer. And I loved, and like I, know, I like science and I know it, but there's still things that went way over my head. So this made it enjoyable because when he went into certain things, I'm like, I don't really understand what you're talking about, but I'm in. Like you said, that display just made it so much easier to follow. And it got you excited when he would achieve the next thing. You'd be like, oh my gosh, like we're about to make sulfuric acid and then we're going to turn it into something else and eventually we're going to have a battery, don't know how, or, or eventually we're going to have antibiotics. And it's just really fun. And I think I could watch that all day just because of how entertaining they made this show. Even though this show is focused on science, I think we should take a moment to look at some of the more heart-touching moments because... They're extremely important in the show, and it makes you kind of have sympathy for the things that are going on. And we learn about Senku's childhood through his flashbacks, and he lived with his father. And they didn't have a lot of money, and when he was really young, he became interested in science because he was reading some books. But he didn't have the money to be able to buy his equipment, so then we see that his dad sold his car so that he could gives gift sense senku a bunch of science tools that he wanted and this is really sad because i mean it's sad but it's also very happy because they're poor but he's giving up his freedoms for his son so his son can enjoy and kind of open up this creativity and just move on to a new place in life and basically build his future and we eventually learn that Senku's dad isn't really an intelligent guy, when it came to book smarts at least. He, he was more of one of the brawn people, and but he had a dream about going to space, and Senku kind of gave back to his dad by helping him achieve this goal, 
Senku was able to use his knowledge to help t train his dad to get into space. And that kind of leads up to a big plot point in the show about Ishigami Village. As I mentioned earlier, the vi village is called Ishigami Village. And at first, I don't think it... Does it tell us right when he meets it that it's called the Ishigami Village? No. We almost learned it because there was that one scene where there was the great bout, the big fight tournament that was a tradition to see who would marry the princess of the village. And the princess learns about Senku's name. And she was about to ask him what his surname was, but she passed out. And then Senku's like, how did she know what a surname is? Because you're in a world where everyone only has first names. There are no surnames. So that kind of got him thinking. And we didn't learn about the name of the village until like four episodes before the final season. Or final episode of the season. And that's when we learn about, I mentioned earlier about the Hundred Tales. Is the last tale being Senku Ishigami. Was during the flashback. We see what the earth was like when this petrification happened. There's... There was, what, four astronauts in the space station? Four or five? Five astronauts. Five. In the International Space Station. And they were all just chatting, having a good time, like it was normal. And then they just look, and you see the green light go and encompass all of Earth. But one thing that also tells us is this only happened on Earth. It didn't spread out anywhere. It only happened in Earth. So they were safe from the petrification, but now that they're in the space station, they have no way of contacting ground control to help them come back. So they had to rely on their own wits and everything to come back down. Well, they were trying to, they were trying to go where they found the like the epicenter, the like the opposite of the. Epicenter. Oh, they found the opposite of the epicenter of. Because mm -hmm, they learned that it happened in south america and then so they were able to pinpoint that the opposite would be some place in japan and so they were aiming to go there and basically they ended up going a little off course and they landed in the water and senku's father comes byakuya comes and rescues them and basically this band of astronauts are the ancestors and they're the people who created this ishigami village and that's the reason why it's named that to that is because of all these astronauts that live and they started their own foundation there. And the last story they mention is Yakuya knew for certain that Senku, he knew Senku was far smarter than he ever would be. And he knew if there was anyone that could break this petrification curse, it would be Senku. So he created those hundred tales in order to pass down information to the later generations and the last one being senku ishigami was talking about his son and how if this village were to find him to give him all his support to senku because he knew senku would be the one who could reverse this petrification cur curse and i just think that's another thing that was just an emotional tie to it that he knew he was never going to see his son again but he had so much faith in him that he was going to break free. Not only just break free, but be able to lift this curse from all of humanity and free everyone. That he created these hundred tales and he created all these stories 
just for this village to survive and when he arrived to help him have his full support because he knew one person couldn't do this alone. He was going to need the support of as many people as he could possibly get. I believe he even says that this is his last gift to Senku or something along those lines. This whole village is his final gift to help him. And this was... He said this because in the final tale, Senku figured out a discrepancy in the in the story itself. He was able to piece together certain information, a little bits and pieces of the story that wouldn't really make sense for this tribal age. And he was able to deduce that his father left him a message in his headstone. So when he got his father's headstone, he broke it open and there was a glass bottle, the bottom of a glass bottle. And they actually, the astronauts, since Byakuya had the idea, but he wasn't smart enough to do it, he gave the task to his astronaut friends to basically make a record out of this glass bottle because it would preserve well. So Senku then obviously created his own record player and played his father's last message to him. And this was the end of season one. And it was just such a heart-touching moment because Senku got to hear his father's voice for the last time and he got to learn about what his father went through and what his father left for him and the hope and love that his father had for him. So I thought that was a great way to end season one was to giving was giving Senku this closure and allowing him to kind of feel the support that his father was giving him and kind of lighting this fire in him to get him to cure this stone affliction. This is very much a last message, almost like or a will, as you can, I guess, call it. And it wasn't just Byakuya voice they had some of the other crew with them mm-hmm. and one of the who was who's the girl that sings do you know i don't remember her name she was only in it for like two episodes so i <laughs> forgot it but yeah she was like a famous singer from the u.s or something some like idol person that was a very popular at that day and age and one of the things that they recorded on this was her singing a song. And obviously in this primitive age, no one knows what music is at all. So they hear the voice, and at first everyone's just shocked that they could hear voices, quote-unquote, from the dead, because they didn't realize that they would be able to speak with their ancestors. And when you see him, Byakuya gives him a little message and tells him that he believes in him if anyone can lift this curse it's him and i as you said gives him the motivation but as like a parting gift he also gives him this song and this famous idol person that i'm drawing such a blank on her name (laughs) gives him and she sings for him and everyone's like all in awe and it really motivates everyone as well that they want they're like wait you guys listen to this on a daily basis? And he's like, Senku kind of gave something because he wasn't really into like music and stuff. And he goes, yeah, I think some people like listening to that stuff or whatever. 
and everyone was just amazed at more of this technology. They weren't afraid anymore. In fact, they I feel like they were almost more enthusiastic now of wanting to help Senku create and boost this Stone Age up back to the modern era. So with this song, it not only gave Senku help and motivation, it gave the whole village that now became the Kingdom of Science. Instead of Ishigami Village, it was now known as the Kingdom of Science. And then as it ends on that like final note, we see Tsukasa getting ready to almost invade this kingdom. And that's how like Season 2 is about to go on. I feel like Season 2, since Season 1 was a lot of the protagonist versus nature, we're definitely going to get a lot of this protagonist versus antagonist now. It makes me wonder if they're going to continue on after season if the resolution is the conclusion of the antagonist for protagonist is concluded if they are going to continue with a new enemy or if it's going to be more of a senku versus nature type show after season two but i do think the antagonist for versus protagonist section of season two will be very enjoyable still because we're still going to get all the science and story building. I feel something's going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, something's going to go wrong. And it just makes me excited for this next season to see what they're going to do next. And how many... It, I feel like the show could go on for many seasons because of the huge scientific advancement that you can go deep into and all the things that he can make and stuff like that. Yeah, I think... How I said earlier, season one is definitely protagonist versus nature. Season two is going to be protagonist versus antagonist. How I feel season two is going to unravel is it. First season was 25 episodes, right? It was a 25 24. 24 episodes. So I feel if they do make a season two, it's definitely going to be, well, at least I'm hoping another 24, 25 episode one, not a 12 to 13 one. But I feel. Mm-hmm. If it is a 25-episode season 2, I feel the conflict will resolve around episode 12 to 13. It's going to be one of those kind of like two-arc style season 2. Because I Mm -hmm. I don't know if they could. I guess they could theoretically plan a whole fight for a whole season. But I just don't. I feel like that would be too long and a lot of people would lose interest. I'm hoping it's not like that. I'm hoping it's more of a they get to resolution or some kind of compromise by mid-season and then after that mid-season is going on to possibly the restoration of humanity and seeing how it resolves or whatever and if they decide to end the conflict at 12 and 13 i feel the end of season two depending on how that goes if there's going to be a season three i feel season two will end possibly once he has maybe like a group of people that are going around helping restoring people and little settlement settlements are popping up here and there and then maybe ending how season one ended with Sukasa getting ready for battle maybe there's another village or somehow some way because i think in the original village they exiled a couple people yes Did they i was not... gonna bring that up yeah. actually yeah they were talking about how previous head chiefs banished people and anybody who's outside the village would be someone who was banished or descendant of them so that's why they were so hesitant on letting people into the village because if you're outside the village 
you're like an exile, so they wouldn't want you to be in. But little did they know that a Stone Age person would break free eventually. So I think that's going to play a very important role, as we're going to see littler villages here and there, and we're going to have to ally with them through science and technology, and maybe even some conflict within there. Yeah, Devonfield Season 2 will end the conflict with Sugasa and Senku, and then him going on to the Restoration, and then running into these people that were exiled, or whatever this, mm -hmm. another village, maybe who's even more technologically advanced. Something's going to end right. if they want to continue it to Season 3. Otherwise, it's going to end with them possibly just restoring it, and then it's kind of like a happy, oh, we're restoring it, and it's kind of left to the imagination of how they bring back civilization. But either way, if that's the way Season 3, if they make a Season 3, it could go one of two ways. Season 3, if they do the new conflict with like the exile people, it's another conflict, simple as that. Or Season 3 is kind of the aftermath of what everything happened and is showing the maybe like a time lapse of what all mm -hmm. happened. So I know the, the manga has gone a little bit ways, and I've seen some pictures that I are kind of spoiler, so I'm not going to mention them, but I think that there's going to be a decent amount to the future seasons. I think there's probably going to be at least five, four or five, maybe, based on the pictures I saw of the manga. Wait, four or five seasons, or four or five what? At least, at least four or five seasons, oh, wow. yeah. That is if... At least, just from the advancement that will be made. That's if they continue, or if they kind of, like, do mini arcs where, like, how I said season two will end the conflict with Suka... Tsukasa and Senku at episode like 12 to 13 <laughs> and then go on from there. They could possibly make right. like three or four seasons instead of each season being something different. But enough about mm -hmm. what ifs and yeah. <laughs> everything because we have no idea. Just a little guess. But in this Stone Age society, world, whatever you want to call it, what do you think you would be or what would your role be in it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think if I was put into the situation Senku was in, I so so it's kind of tough because basically all of primitive or not primitive modern technology and stuff is gone. So I would probably find a river source and I would want to try to find a way to make power. One quick thing before you continue on: mm -hmm. Are you going from a perspective? Are you a descendant or are you no. a petrified person? I'm, I, from the perspective of Senku brought me back, or say, say, just for example, I came back on my own the same way Senku did. Okay. So I'm from, from scratch with my knowledge. I would probably try to make base near a riverway, just because my first goal would be fresh water for one. But I would also want to create some way of getting power, because I'm so used to a technological society so i'd want to create power and i have the the knowledge of how to do that but i think my biggest run-in would be getting copper because i have no idea how to mine or look for any geological clues to where copper might be so you'd still be stuck in the stone age you'd have a hard time going to the copper age exactly i would be a very stuck in the stone age i'd I know simple machines and stuff like that, pulley systems, so I think I'd be set 
kind of set, I would be able to do things in a Stone Age. But I don't think I'd get very far out of that. Because, like I said, I'm just not knowledgeable on geography and stuff like that. But if Senku revived me, I could easily help him with all that stuff. And I could definitely get a power system going in his village. But that's about the extent of what I could do in a stone society. Fair enough. I, what I about you? <laughs> Me, personally, I would... I'd be more of a Taiji. Taiju? I don't... What the frick do I keep calling him Taiji? Taiju type person? Not necessarily straight brawn over brains, but I'm very book smart. I'm not street smart. And yes, I would know how to do something if like, if it was just me, I would not have any idea, honestly, what to do. I would be more just aimlessly walking around. Like, I would probably, as you did, I know kind of, like, the survival instincts of what you should do. As in, find a source of water, find shelter, and then slowly go off from there. But if we're going through how you said if, like, Senku revived me or someone else revived me that had, like, the brains, I would definitely have been the person that... I would have been like, all right, what do you need? I would have <laughs> definitely been the more of a gatherer person, kind of like how Taiju was when Senku was like, hey, I need you to collect all these seashells. I'll be like, on it. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm very much of a person. I'm smart enough to know, like, if you, you can give me details instructions, you wouldn't have to be like, simply be like, I need this. Like, or just be like, oh, hammer this. Like, I can take detailed instructions. But I wouldn't know how to do anything from scratch of how to bring the Stone Age up. I would know theoretics of like, oh, we need copper to do this. We need iron to do this. Like, I know the steps to get to it. And honestly, that's more just from playing survival games or like civilization games. So I know the theory behind how to raise up, but I wouldn't know how to put it into practice. So I definitely Mm -hmm. need someone who knew how to put it in practice. Otherwise, if I was just left alone, I don't. I would be more the nomad type, I feel. If I had to learn to live off of that, I would have been more of a gatherer, like trying to find edible like plants and fruits and stuff like that because I have no hunting experience. But obviously, if I was forcing that, hopefully I would find a way to adapt and to learn or maybe even learn at least fishing. I mean stick string and try to find some kind of lure just to make like at least a primitive fishing pole to crap make a fire and cook dinner i feel like though i wouldn't be able to sit in one place i would definitely be one of those kind of move around type an explorer type as you will and if you don't understand that reference go watch our minecraft episode that was previously to this but i would definitely be one of those explorer gatherer type roles in the Mm -hmm. stone age society yeah and yeah like you said once i would build a power system i would be one of those people who are like all right now uh, my role's gone i need you to tell me what to do so my first fact for us is Senku's last name, Ishigami, literally means stone god or a stone that is worshipped or maybe even a stone that has a god written on it. 
and this comes from the two kanji of stone which is ishi and god which is kami but then the way they put it together is ishigami so i think that's definitely not an accident and i think that was just a really interesting fact about the show being being it's called dr stone our fact number two is inagaki said that senku's character was actually pulled from a different manga of his called eye shield 21 he basically redesigned the character visually and kept his personality but focused on the good side of that character rather than the bad side which is focused in eye shield 21 and our uh, third fact we have is inagaki actually got first-hand experience for some of the science he put into the manga so he could accurately write about it so for example he actually went to a glass blowing factory to help get the experience he needed to actually write how to glass blow and to be able to illustrate that well and our final fact is that nearly every villager in ishigami village has a name that's related to science in some way whether it be an element a mineral or something geological related or space related so a few examples is kohaku her name actually means amber like the mineral chrome is short for chromium which is an element and kinro and ginro mean gold wolf and silver wolf respectively so i thought that was just kind of cool that every single it's something i also picked up on for a few things but almost all villagers have a science name i thought that was cool so with that being said i think that wraps it up and if you have any questions concerns or recommendations please feel free to email us at weebspawn at gmail.com and feel free to follow us on instagram at weebspawn and also don't forget to follow us on twitter if that's oh, yeah. more of your little thing you like to tweet but that will be all from us i'm bobby and i'm joshua and we will see you next time when we weeb spawn <laughs>